great to be with everyone this morning. Thank you for taking time to be here. Uh, we know that there are lots of things that buy uh, for your time and that, that some of you have even carved out special time to be here with us this morning uh, to show what is most important in your life, especially those younger folks who are watching the lessons that are being learned are very important. So thank you for being here this morning. And I hope the things that we talk about this morning will be encouraging to us all as we strive to be more pleasing to God in the future than we have been in the past. In the passage that um, Joseph read for us, we read, let, no, let lay hands suddenly on no man, neither be a partaker of other men's sins. Keep yourself pure. About two and a half is making its way toward you and me. And there were a lot of unknowns about the virus. One thing that was known about it at the time was that you didn't want to get it. And so we all went into great extremes. We watched what we touched. We watched who we talked to. We watched and thought twice about going into a store. And when you were in a store, you didn't get close to other people. I pumped gas with rubber gloves for a long time. We didn't know what was out there. And another thing we were careful about during COVID was we were careful about being the one who shared it with others. None of us wanted to be the one who gave it to someone else and made someone else sick or even at worst caused someone to die. We were careful that if we thought we had any symptoms to stay away from others. But in spite of all this, probably every one of us here is responsible for sharing it with someone else. There's something more dangerous in the world that's going around, more dangerous than COVID. It's infinitely more dangerous and more frightening. It's in the world all around us, and we see the devastation associated with it on a daily basis. That's something going around in the world is sin. And if we're thinking clearly about sin, we all want to keep sin out of our lives. And we all are going to great extremes to avoid sin, hopefully, in our lives. But like the virus, I think we also want to be careful that we're not spreading sin to others or contributing to the sins of others. In this passage that, that Joseph just read for us in 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 22, Paul tells Timothy to not be a partaker in other men's sins. Don't be contributing, don't be partaking, don't be involved in other people's sins. And this morning, I want to look at this idea with us quickly as to how could we be partakers in other people's sins. We want to keep sin out of our lives, but we got to be careful that we're not participating or partaking in the sins of other people in their lives. How can we do that? Well, we could be guilty of partaking in other people's sins, first of all, by actively partaking in sin with them. And this is obvious, isn't it? Proverbs chapter 1, beginning of verse 10 says, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. If they say, Come with us, let us lie and wait to shed blood. Let us lurk privily for the innocent without cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol and whole like those who go down to the pit. And it goes on. But the proverb writer is warning his son, son, don't participate. Don't be a partaker in other people's sins. If they want you to go do something with them that's sinful, you say no. 
There's a communal aspect to sin, isn't it? There's a communal aspect to sin. Some sins require other people to participate in it with you. You can't gossip unless you can talk somebody else into participating in it with you. You can't slander unless you can talk someone else into participating in it with you. We could go on and on. You can't fornicate unless you talk someone else into participating in that with you. Some sins require someone else to participate with you. Some sins are more enjoyable with others. I think back to when I was in, in college and lived across the street in the dorm rooms from the fraternity houses, and on Friday nights those fraternity houses got wild, those drunken fraternity parties, because there were people there who wanted to engage in sin with others. It was more enjoyable to be engaging those sins with others. So sin, participate with you. And finally, I think there's comfort in knowing that others are sinning with you. That you're not doing it by yourself, that there are others who are participating. I think that's probably what Ananias and Sapphira felt. In Acts chapter 5, beginning of verse 1, I think there was probably comfort in knowing that their spouse was engaged in that deception with them. In Acts chapter 5, beginning of verse 1, But a certain man named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, sold a possession, and he kept back part of the proceeds, his wife also being aware of it, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? While it remained, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not in your own control? Why have you conceived this thing in your heart? You have not lied to men, but to God." Then Ananias, hearing these words, fell down and breathed his last, so great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And the young men arose and wrapped him up, carried him out, and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And Peter said to her, answered to her, Tell me whether you sold the land for so much. She said, Yes, for so much. Then Peter said to her, How is it you have agreed together to test the Spirit of the Lord? Look, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out. Then immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. And the young men came in and found her dead, and carrying her out, buried her by her husband. So great fear came upon all the church and upon all who heard these things. I don't know who came up with the idea first, Ananias or Sapphira. But surely it was one of their ideas. I doubt they both had the same idea at the same time. One of the two of them likely came up with the idea, you know what, we could look really good. If we sold some land and we lied about it and we kept some of it for ourselves. And whether, or not, whether it was Ananias first or Sapphira first, they convinced the other one, you know, we ought to do this. We'll do it together. We'll participate in this together. It'll be all right. We'll do it together. We need to realize the communal nature of sin. It makes it more appealing to commit sin when there's other people doing it, doesn't it? And we're not going to be able on the day of judgment to claim, well, God, everybody else was doing it. That's a trick that your kids try with you, isn't it? When they get in trouble for doing something they shouldn't do, well, sister was doing it or brother was doing it. And the answer that you give is not, well, then it's okay. And God is not going to give you the answer, it's okay, because everybody else was doing it. Don't be partakers in other sins by actively participating with them. 
But I tell you, we can also be a partaker in other people's sins by encouraging others to sin, by encouraging them to sin. In Revelation chapter 2, beginning of verse 12, at the church in Pergamos, there were those there who were encouraging others to sin. In Revelation chapter 2, beginning of verse 12, And to the angel of the church in Pergamos write, These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. I know your works, where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you hold fast to my name and did not deny my faith even where Satan dwells. They were living in tough times. Satan was said to be dwelling among them. That's, a, I believe, figurative language to show how bad and how evil it was. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. The church at Pergamos had people there who were encouraging other, people's, other people to sin. When would we do that? When would we be actively encouraging other people to sin? It seems really out there, doesn't it, that you could actually be encouraging other people to sin. Well, we could do it like Balaam did. We would be tempted to do it when, like Balaam was tempted to do it when it might benefit us. We might be tempted to encourage other people to sin because if they're sinning, then we don't have to feel so bad about the sin that we're involved in. I might encourage somebody else to sin so that I don't feel so much guilt about the sin that I'm involved in. Or I might encourage others to sin so I take the focus off of me. If I could talk somebody else into doing something worse than me, they'd look at them and not me. Or I might want to encourage others to sin to hurt those that I might have bad feelings towards. We need to be careful. It is very possible for us to partake in other people's sins by encouraging others to sin. We can also participate in other people's sins by expressing our consent. We can encourage others to sin by expressing our consent or agreeing with that what they're doing is okay. You know, it's okay that you're doing this or doing that. That's what Saul was guilty of in Acts chapter 7. In Acts chapter 7, beginning of verse 51. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, Stephen is on trial. Stephen is giving his defense, and it's about to get really bad for Stephen. And notice Saul's participation in this. He wasn't actively involved in it, but he was consenting to it. In Acts chapter 7, verse 51, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears... You always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you, Stephen says. Which of the prophets did not your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom now uh, you have become. They heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God and said, Look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord, and they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God, saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout all the regions of Samaria and Judea, except the apostles. 
I don't believe that Saul ever picked up a rock. But he was encouraging the sin, wasn't he? He was consenting to the sin. He was saying, boys, go get them. We can be partakers of other people's sins by consenting to what they're doing. In Acts chapter 26, verse 9, he gives this account. Indeed, I myself thought I must do many things contrary to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. This also I did in Jerusalem, and many of the saints I shut up in prison, having received authority from the chief priest. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them, and I punished them often in every synagogue and compelled them to blaspheme, being exceedingly enraged, enraged against them. I persecuted them even to foreign cities. He was casting his vote. He was agreeing. He was consenting to the evil that was going on. And when we consent to other people's sins, we're participating in their sins with them. And we might not deliberately set out to give our consent to other people's sins. But have you ever been put on the spot? Have you ever been put on the spot when someone said, well, what do you think about this that I'm doing? Or was I justified in doing this or, doing, or that? Was I okay? Have you ever been put on the spot like that? And the temptation is, I don't want to make somebody mad. I'll consent rather than standing up for what is right. Rather than condemning sin, we express the idea that it's okay. And when we give our consent, I want to tell you we're participating in other people's sins. We can also be false doctrine. There are a lot of people in the religious world today that are guilty of this, that are teaching false doctrine, that are guilty of partaking of other people's sins because they're teaching false doctrines about those sins. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. Ephesians chapter 5, beginning of verse 1. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love as Christ also has loved us and given himself for us. An offering and a sacrifice of God for a sweet-smelling aroma. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of God, Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the, uh, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Do you see that? It says here that they would come to them with empty words. They would deceive them with empty words. I want to tell you in the religious world today, there are empty words being proclaimed from pulpits around this nation. Empty words that say it's okay for you to be engaged in that unlawful marriage. It's okay for you to be in that homosexual relationship. It's okay for you to do this or do that. They're empty words that encourage people to be partaking in those sins. When we're a false teacher, when we're not standing up for what's right, we can be partakers in the sins of others. Sadly, there are some in the Lord's church that are doing the same. Those who are teaching false doctrine around the idea of marriage and divorce and remarriage. Those who are teaching false doctrines about fellowship. 
They might be doing it for reasons of popularity or for profit or because they lack the courage to stand up for what is right. But I want to tell you, when we don't teach the truth of God's word, when we teach false doctrine, I want to tell you, it causes us to become partakers in the sins of others. We can also become partakers in the sins of others when we fail to rebuke sin. When we fail to rebuke it, when we go along with the sins of others and don't speak out, we can be guilty of partaking with them. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, in 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning verse 22, Eli has some, some boys who are now men who are engaged in all types of wickedness, and he didn't speak out against it. He didn't condemn it, and he's held responsible for that. He is a partaker of their sins as a result. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, beginning verse 22, Now Eli was very old, and he heard everything his sons did to all Israel, and how they lay with the women who assembled at the door of the tabernacle of meeting. So he said to them, Why do you do such things? For I hear of your evil dealings from all the people. He just said, Why are you doing this? Apparently he didn't tell them to cut it out like he should have. He expressed that he wasn't pleased with that, but he didn't rebuke them apparently like he should, because notice what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 3. 1 Samuel chapter 3, beginning of verse 11. Then the Lord said to Samuel, Why, Behold, I will do something in Israel at which both ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. In that day I will perform against Eli all that I have seen, iniquity which he knows, because his sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And therefore I have sworn to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by, the, by sacrifice or offering forever. Eli did not restrain his sons like he should have. And he was held responsible because he was, in effect, partaking in their sins. And when we don't condemn, when we don't rebuke sin like we should, we could be partakers of other people's sins as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, a lengthy reading here in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning of verse 1, there was great immorality in the church at Corinth. An incestuous relationship was uh, engaged in there in Corinth. And rather than rebuking that sin, they were proud and puffed up that they were sort of tolerant of that. And they should have been rebuking it, but they weren't. And notice their condemnation in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13, or verse 1. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man have his father's wife. And you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. And it goes on, and it tells them that they need to, to purge this out of, the, out, out of their, their number. But they were proud and puffed up. They weren't condemning sin like they should. They weren't rebuking sin, and they were partaking in it. So many turn a blind eye to the sins of those around them. A blind eye to sins of their brethren in the church. And we might say, well, I don't agree with what he's doing. But we never say that we don't agree. We never express that disagreement to the one who's in sin. We say, well, I wouldn't do this. Or I'm concerned about that. But we keep silent. And we continue to fellowship and act like everything's normal. We can be guilty of partaking in other people's sins when we rebuke. Quickly, I'll tell you, we can also be guilty of partaking in other people's sins by the sin of flattery. 
that's closely related to this idea of failing to rebuke, and that is the sin of flattery. Not only when we don't condemn, but when we tell the other person, taking in their sins. In Proverbs 20, when we flatter them and tell them what they want to hear, we can be guilty of partaking in their sins. In Proverbs 26, verse 5, open rebuke is better than, uh, better than love carefully concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. We have to be the one who gives that rebuke when it is needed. Instead of the flatterer who tells the hearer what they want to hear, who tells the sinner they're wonderful when they're wretched, who tells the sinner that they're perfect when they're plagued with sin, who tells the sinner that they're special when they're sinful. When we flatter, we partake in other people's sins. When we approve of false teachers, we can partake in other people's sins. When there are those who are teaching false doctrine, we've got to be careful about how we respond to them. 2 John verses 9 through 11, Whoever transgresses and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides in the doctrine of Christ has both the Father and the Son. If anyone comes to you and does not bring this doctrine, do not receive him into your house, nor greet him, for he who greets him shares in his evil deeds. He's a partaker in his sins. By the way, we respond to those who are teaching false doctrines. We can be partakers of their sins. And then finally this morning, we can be partaking in other people's sins with our influence. We know this passage from heart. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. And we teach this, kid, this verse to our kids, don't we? This is probably a memory verse that you've thought about for your kids or maybe have worked on with your kids. Don't be deceived. Evil companions, evil company corrupts good habits. We need to think about this on the inverse, though, on the flip side. You know, if evil people can corrupt me, I can corrupt other people. If other people can be a bad influence on me, I can be that same bad influence on other people. And I can be a partaker in their evil deeds. How is my influence, affecting, uh, my influence affecting others? Is my attitude towards God and His will, are my actions affecting other people negatively? How about my priorities or my focus or my outlook when things are difficult and challenging? Are my actions that I'm displaying to other people being a good influence or a bad influence? I could be a partaker in the evil deeds and the sins of others by my influence. Lots of ways that we need to be on guard against being partakers in the evil deeds of others. Are we guilty of this? If so, our soul is at risk and the soul of others is at risk as well. Let us be on guard against participating in the sins of others. What about you this morning? Are there sins in your life that are impacting not only you, those who are around you? Are others suffering because of the way that you're living your life? Are you participating in the sin and ultimately the eternal punishment of those that you are around, those that you love? If there are things in your life this morning that need to be corrected, will you let us know while we stand and sing?